Jessica, let me introduce you to Rokas. He's here um, on the podcast with us today. Rokas, say hello. Hello, Jessica. Nice to meet you. Hello. Nice to meet you as well. Rokas is our um, producer, uh, scheduler, extraordinaire, background tech, uh, all things, um, you know, in the inner workings of the show that no one gets to uh, see. Well, it's nice that you give him his uh, his just dues. <laughs> I try. I, I almost said co-host. <laughs> and I was like, well, no. He's also uh, our co-host of the show, a co-host producer extraordinaire. Um, so if he has any insight to your story, he will be, you know, he'll be the other voice on this. And you're calling in. Uh, we don't have your video feed, but we know when you're speaking and, and we'll will pause and everything. So for the, for the listeners, um, let me speak to the listeners for a second. We know, you know why we do this show. If you've listened to a few others or as our listeners like to do, they like to binge all the episodes and, and we thank you guys for that. Uh, and you know that we talk about, um, self-development, self-mastery and, Occasionally, we talk or reference a work from someone who has gone through um, struggles, challenges, hardships. And I think in only two episodes, I was thinking about this earlier today, I think in only two episodes, we've covered tragedy, uh, types of tragedy where an individual genuinely has suffered through an, an inhumane um, hardship. And the, the lessons are there, but there's, a, there's, there's often a, a human element lacking because that person is not necessarily still around to tell the tale or able to speak it out, so they write it in a book. And Jessica, you're here today because you have such a tale. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there is a, I'll hand it over to you, but I, I want to preface everything by telling the listener, there's a positive to the tr tragedy and, and we have to go over the tragedy. We have to kind of get into it as, as um, famous podcaster Jocko Willink will say, when he goes over tragedy, when he goes over um, difficult to hear stories, he says, you know, we do these because we need to understand what a human is capable of. And uh, Jessica, you're, you're one of those humans. And why don't you begin um, where you feel comfortable uh, and where where it all kind of makes sense. Sure. Um, thank you very much. Um, so I did it. There's a little bit of um, nervousness going into this. Uh, you know, I, I sent you the message about you know telling you a little about my struggles, and then it hit me like, oh, I'm going to talk about this in public for the very first time, and um, it it was something that had been on the media <laughs> when I went through all of it, but 
this is the the first time um, since I was 17 years old that it is something that'll be, you know, addressed publicly again. Um, so I had a little bit of nervousness going into this, honestly, and but it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. So I really thank you um, for the opportunity. Um, so I was uh, sexually abused as a child and as a teenager. And it just so happened to be um, something that happened in my own home uh, by uh, an individual that was supposed to be uh, like a father figure. So it was my my stepfather. That's what, you know, I called him at the time. He, he was a stepfather. And the first time that it had occurred, I was really young. So I want to say that it, it was around the age of five. Uh, my, my, my recollection's not, you know, 100% on that age, but I, I know it was around the age of five because I know it was around the time I was in kindergarten, maybe a little before. So it had happened a handful of times when I was really little and it was something that stopped before I got into first grade. And so I was told, you know, we don't talk about this because I could go to jail. It really hurt, you know, the, the simple or the, the types of uh, things that um, an abuser will, will tell to, to groom. And so I just kept my mouth shut about it. And it just, stayed in the depths of, depths of me for quite some time. Um, all the while, um, this man also, he did physically abuse my mother. Uh, she was afraid to leave the relationship because she also had um, been threatened um, with, with death <laughs> uh, if she did leave. So she, she feared for her life to leave. And so she stayed in this unhealthy environment. So uh, all the while, while I was in grade school, in middle school, we were, you know, the whole family was, we were emotionally and verbally, and, and you know, there was a, a fair amount of physical abuse uh, to my mother and my brother as well. Um, and then when I got into high school is where things really turned for the worse for me. Um, I had a sense one day that I was being watched. It was just something that I felt. I felt this dis-ease. I was um, actually in, in my own home in, in the bathroom where I was going to shower. And I felt that I was being watched. And I did find that I was being filmed in my own home. and. There was an exchange that occurred. Um, at that point, I was threatened. Um, my stepfather had held a gun to my to my head, and he told me that if I discussed these matters, that we would essentially he would kill us all. Um, so 
with that being said, I, I was in fear for my life. And he took a form of control and manipulation uh, where I was forced to do things um, sexually um, at a very young age. So I wasn't exposed to uh, sexuality in a healthy way whatsoever as a young person. It was something that was forced upon me. And I dealt with, um, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but from my freshman year up until my junior year of high school, um, where he actually went to prison. And it was the beginning of my junior year. My mother, uh, she just had an intuitive sense to, she was looking for Christmas decorations in the basement and she had this sense that she needed to look at something in some odd corner of the house and she ended up finding um, a piece of evidence and she called me on the phone and she said Jessica I need you to come home and I knew <laughs> like I knew I was like yep my my life is going to change forever now and like for in a good way um, in a sense my hell was ending and my my family's hell was going to begin. And then, of course, the uh, the struggles that we're going, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little after the, the healing process. But uh, in a, that that is really, in a nutshell, what had occurred. And like I said, it was shared um, on the media. So I was, un, you know, considered a child. So they weren't able to share my uh, name on the media. But, you know, when you're, it's your family. And, you know, individuals of the community know you. There's a lot of uh, shame that goes along with that, too. So, uh, but the person, uh, one of the upsides of my story is that my mom, she didn't turn her back on me. Um, I have heard stories where other parents find out what's happening and they and they actually turn their back on their child. My, my mom stood up for me. And she, she turned him in. And ultimately, that was my, my saving grace is that that she decided to do that. And, and that individual, my abuser is still in prison to this day. Um. Wow. Well, I mean, it is very obviously uh, more than courageous of you um, to be able to speak about that I mean, this is the first time that we've ever uh, spoke voice to voice. We've we've texted and chatted before, of course, and but you know, I'm I'm essentially uh, virtually a stranger, and, and for you to not only come come with that uh, without breaking down and and to say that clearly, and especially to everyone listening um, now and into the future, that's that's a different level of exposure than most people are willing to uh, reveal. So I, I admire you and your courage for that. Um, and Thank you. I mean, there's, there's a lot there. Um, number one, thank God the, this, um, you know, monstrous uh, soul is locked away. Um, do you do you hate this person? 
Um, it, oddly enough, I, I don't, um, I harbor, you know, a, like a couple years ago or l- like the last few years, I did find out that I carried a fair share of anger <laughs> that had been suppressed for quite some time. Because when you, when you had to go through trauma on um, like multiple, multiple times, you really learn like what to do, um, you know, and it's like a, we're, we're really good at, at survival when, 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 it, when the going gets tough. So I don't hate him. Um, he also had a tough upbringing. Uh, he he was a, an individual that grew up in a family that was um, adopted as farmhands. Uh, they were um, of a Indian tribe. Their their mother was uh, neglecting them all, and so they were adopted, and they were all just used as farmhands. It was he was a twin, and um, the the rest of the children they all went with a family and. I don't think they had a great upbringing either. Um, and I don't know, I look at a lot of like generational hurt and uh, I don't think somebody chooses uh, on a conscious level to be, like, I don't think you're born into this world wanting to be that way. You know, I'm sure you, with your background, you know a lot about, you know, uh, karma and, and karma means, but, I don't hate him. I, I don't believe that somebody would choose to be like that. Um, I, I, I did for a long time, um, but I've I've come to to peace with that part of it. I see. Yeah. In that world of, I mean, there's a there's a several stages of this. Um, developmentally and uh, psychologically right in the beginning there's an innocence there you don't you you might not know necessarily the ramifications of what's going on but as you get older um, how do you how do you exist on a day-to-day basis with all of these things going on and and what are these things going on through your head that you just keep inside or, and just keep doing your normal activities day to day? How does one do that? Well, I think, you know, when I was in high school, when, like when the abuse was occurring, I didn't get to live like a normal high school kid, you know, uh, I, I, I was having to survive at home. So there was that aspect where, uh, it definitely affected you know, whether I, I performed well in school, um, you know, went to college, um, that that sort of a thing. Um, and then, like, right afterwards, a few years afterwards, I don't think I was aware of how it was affecting me. You know, everything was pretty unconscious at that point. It was, it, I was just kind of going through the motions, and I didn't understand why. I was, um, you know, kind of running into relationships with people because I thought that I would feel like a more complete individual um, if I had a relationship, but I was really not great at maintaining those relationships, um, and I wasn't sure why. Uh, And of course, it affected me uh, sexually. I became somewhat like asexual after a while I I 
thought that I would be dysfunctional for the rest of my life in that aspect. Right. So I would say in my early 20s, um, after uh, a couple failed relationships, um, and I started seeing how I interacted uh, being in relationship with other people, then I knew something was, well, I'm like, okay, something's off here. Um, and like a, a, a consistent need to be running away in the face of conflict, I could not, I had absolutely no way of dealing with conflict when it came up. Um, I, I see this now. I didn't see it at the time, but anything that would come up in a relationship that was a conflict, I would be like, this is not right. I've got to go. And it would be like that fight or flight in me that if something was off, I, I just had to bolt. <laughs> I didn't know how to stand in the face of conflict either. Um, so that those were the, the big areas I started seeing it affecting me. And of course, with time that, you know, in, in the more um, aware, self-aware I became, you know, that, that starts to alter and I start to see more and I start to do more work on that. Did you or, or do you blame any other part of your family for their ignorance or their inability to perceive what was going on to you? Oh, no, not at all. Um, I don't believe they knew. Uh, you know, obviously, the the minute my mom found out, she she did something about it. Uh, but they were really just as scared. Um, and, and I and I see how that affects them. You know, to this day, um, I'm sure I, I have a brother, and I know that I'm certain he carries a lot of shame about you know what had happened. It's just not always spoken of. I'm, I'm, I'm a very open person. I'll talk about a lot of things. I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve in that way, but not everyone is that way. Um, I, I don't blame them, them at all. I think they, they have a lot to deal with. Um, they may not have been abused in the way I was, but they were uh, emotionally and, and physically abused. Right. Um... I mean, Rokas, you can relate to that 100%, right? Not in the same way, but yeah. So, did was there a process where, and, and is there still a process where there's a fear for men in general? Um, no, actually, um, I, I've been I've been blessed with very very good male figures. In, in my life, um, whether it be friends or people that I've dated, somehow I've ended up like attracting really good men. And I, and I think that is part of sometimes things just come into our lives where you're able to see another aspect of things. And so I've been presented with that and I was able to see that there are good men there are gentlemen, there are honest men. Um, so it, it hasn't skewed that. I, I, I have a, it has given me a very realistic point of view on what people can be like. Um, you know, when you, you grow up in an area where you're, you're hiding a secret, it makes you almost kind of hyper aware <laughs> of um, 
what can happen around you, whether somebody is an authority figure or has a suit and tie on. Um, I would say growing up in that way, did I, I had a little obsession with uh, conspiracy theories <laughs> in my early 20s. And it was because, you know, you, you grow up in the shadows. So you're like, oh, let me see what other shadows are out there. Um, I got I got a little bit into into the conspiracies as well because I'm like oh I mean there's just hidden stuff everywhere Uh, it may have gotten like a little uh, unhealthy at some point (laughs) but I've I've learned to balance that out uh, with age. So how old are you now? I am 39. You're 39. So when you were saying there was a you essentially went silent on this after the age of 17 till till now is that what you were saying yeah yeah so i mean people that are close to me um have known i i've never really gone into like a ton of detail uh with anyone um but you know for for the most i've never talked about it publicly are there going to be people who listen to this podcast that know you that find out and and what is that like? Um, that aspect did hit me. Um, it may be challenging for uh, family members to hear. And I guess that's something that we just have to face and face together. Um, and by no means, and, and I, I think I, I stress this very often, there should be any any shame because we, we all went through it in some way, shape, or form. Um, but I just feel like if someone can get something out of it, um, and when we start getting to the, the sunnier side of things, <laughs> you know, if, if I can help another person to know that they can have a normal relationship, a healthy relationship, just a, a healthy state of mind and live in peace instead of, uh, you know, living in a, in a state of consistent stress and agony. Uh, it, it, to me, it's, it's worth um, having to face that. Um, I, I did go to a women's circle for the first time like a month ago and I shared like a little bits and pieces and the few women that were there um, that told me that I really impacted them and that they really got something out of what I had to say. It felt really good. And I thought it was a good opportunity for me to, to move forward with this and to start speaking about it. Let's 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 get to that um, healing part that that uncovering the layers of the the acidic onion and, and and how did that process go and and what was it like as you kind of in my own terminology um, reveal this subconscious horror to your conscious mind. All right, so this is for me, where it starts to get really interesting. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to preface that I did not grow up in a religious household. I've never read 
any religion, religious book. So I haven't read the Bible. I will anything, nothing from Hindu, Hinduism, Buddhism. So I, I also did not believe that there was a God, um, because I felt like I'd asked for help many a times and the help did not come. So I was a young, angry person. And around the age of 22, I was hitting a point where I I just, I felt like, why, why am I doing this? Like, things are just so emotionally taxing and so dark feeling all the time. I just hurt people. I can't make things work. And I I just felt like I didn't know what the purpose of life was. And I really felt like giving up. And I was on a walk and I walked into this little church courtyard and I sat on this little cement bench and I remember I was like, okay, I'm just going to give this a shot. And I said, if there's a God, I need you to show me something because I'm just done. I'm just done here. And I put that out there and within a week of that, me reaching out, I had an experience where I was I was woken out of a deep sleep and I was surrounded by a warm white light and I had this feeling that I was connected with everything without words without thoughts it was a pure state of knowing that I was connected with everything and that state that that was like my answer back it 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 showed me that there is something greater out there than the pain that I had been experiencing and that experience was ultimately the catalyst for what would end up being a handful of mystical experiences um a lot of them started occurring in my early 30s but that that one really was the big catalyst um i was introduced to the idea of being consciously aware oh like you know awareness itself and i just started working with these things um I, I guess I call what I was on a choose your own adventure, <laughs> spiritual quest, because I would just, I just started digging. It's like in me and I, and I can't explain how or why that is, but there's something within me that I just became like a, a hound for just looking inward and just analyzing myself. And, and sometimes that could be a great crutch, you know? the over analysis and I've been learning that too but ultimately my ability to become self-aware and to start analyzing why am I doing what am I doing what I'm doing why am I feeling the way I'm feeling and working with different different teachers that I found uh, on the internet in different concepts that that got the steps in motion and it's just like a, a consistent i'm still doing the work today you know there's always a little something that you're refining or working on but that was the ultimate catalyst that that event 
And when I, I looked that up online, I'm like, oh, what is this that I experienced, you know? And I, I found out that, you know, it, it's a, a state that people on religious quest try to obtain. <laughs> and it had just occurred um, for me uh, by reaching out. And uh, it, it came out of a state of pain. Well, yeah. Wow. So there is, uh, in the West, uh, you would have heard cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Cognitive um, behavioral therapy? Yeah, that's, that's, what the, that's what Western psychology um, calls that. Um, like, like a traditional, like traditional talk therapy in a sense? No. Or is it a little different? Cognitive behavioral therapy is uh, oh, in the realm of um, uh, psychotherapy, the, the ability to uh, attempt to experience self-awareness where you can separate yourself from that which you're feeling. And um, the West has attempted to take credit for that. But in the East, the, that's, that's called yoga, basically, right? Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that is um, the self-actualization, a, a term that is easier to handle than self-realization, um, where there's there's two different levels, um, and and you know I can't let that last thing you said go. It, it, it's so profound. Um, people, uh, let me see if I can if I can get that out again, Pe people try and try and try to attempt this, this thing that spontaneously occurred to you, to you through the medium of pain. Yeah. And what happened to that lingering stinging pain following this this adventure this event this kind of like event horizon well it, as you know when when we're doing work on ourselves it's it's you know it's a little bit of an ebb and flow so you know there there are times that i i would say that my like the the depth of my pain were not revealed to me um, until just in the last few years. Um, I think I, I was still doing a good job of like hiding the intensity of it within my body. Um, is there, there's a part of like with, with trauma where you, you, you don't want to be in your body. <laughs> you you kind of you you learn to like keep your energy like just kind of outside of it, um, so that you you don't have to like feel it. So I, I I was I would say I was taking in a lot of concepts, right? So it's just a lot of intellectualizing ideas. So listening to Eckhart Tolle or or what have you, right? And so I'm learning these concepts and these ideas. Uh, on you know a spiritual work um however i wouldn't say that i was embodying those concepts quite at that time i was just taking in a lot of information i, I would say it's really been in the last like few years in my 30s really that i've been able to start you know 
like walking with those concepts and really like embodying them and really understanding what they mean and not just on an intellectual level, but, but really feeling them. Um, it's been a process of, you know, utilizing certain teachings and concepts on a mental level. And then also, um, not denying like the physical aspect of being a human too. Uh, for me, you know, especially being someone that was sexually abused, getting into things that empowered me, like on a physical level, like utilizing my body to do things that felt really powerful. Um, believe it or not, one of those things was I played roller derby for five years and that was amazing for me. It was really the first thing where I was like, oh my God, this is something that I can do and I can be good at because I never felt like I was good at anything. And so for me playing roller derby and I, and, and doing it with this group of like really strong women and women that were playing from all walks of life. And were also trying to like find their physically strong suits. It was insanely empowering. Um, I've done things like, you know, this might seem extreme for some people, but I did CrossFit. Um, for me, I guess I was kind of like, I needed those, like, go to the other end of the spectrum physically, you know, contact sport and CrossFit. Um, so that that ended up being a big part of my journey, too, is, is not just doing, like, the emotional and the mental side of things, but really getting into your body, too, you know. and like not denying like the human side of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what's flooding my mind is, is the, the teachings of the number one, the, the five levels um, of the mind where you're, you're going through, you're going through the trauma. It, it's not encapsulated as, um, you know, and, and a vibrational effect yet because it's 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 going through the filters of the mind and into the depths of of your your rule based you know um, secret uh, locked door uh, part of the mind and and then for as you say it's intellectual and then as it that energy is like a boomerang and as it comes back it has to go through the mind again. It has to go like down a 100 floor uh, sub elevator into the ground. And then for you to receive a message again into your, your conscious mind, it has to come back up through those floors and hit you like a brick wall. And, and as, as this is the, this is what we experienced. And it's that stickiness in between those layers of the mind that slow the process down of our own healing and our own, because the healing begins once our conscious mind accepts that we are, we went through trauma mm -hmm. and this is, and then, then, you know, from, from the, from the five States you have the, um, Oh man, I'm losing it here. That, the, the secondary part of that, the last thing you were saying, um, oh shit, I've, I've, I like the, em, the embodiment aspect of it. Right, right. We have, we have this twofold, 
right, we have this twofold process of intellectual learning and then experiential. And, and, and would you agree, Jessica, that, and Rokas, you can chime in on this, of course, um, most people stop at the intellectual part. Mm-hmm. And only when it's, only when, like, that's a beautiful word, embody. Only when we embody the teachings can we, um, can we make any sense of, of this thing, this experience? Yes, and, and I would say with embodiment, that also comes in, it's, it's coming in layers as well. Like I, I'd say just in the last few months alone, now that I'm comfortable, like, sitting in my body, like, energetically, like, for a long time, I felt like I was like uncomfortable all the time in my body. I walked around like a ball of tension. You know, it was that, that guarding growing up and like being guarded all the time. I didn't want to be in there. So now that I'm at a point where I'm comfortable being in my body, I'm now starting to be able to pick up on the subtleties. So where, you know, when I start thinking a certain thought pattern and there's an emotion that's tied to that, I'm I'm now starting to be able to feel where in the body that emotion is stored or coming from. So, you know, like, oh, is this is this the throat chakra? Is this, you know, is this in my solar plexus? And and it's really interesting because uh, in the past, I would feel these intense intense sensations in my in my abdomen and you know, sometimes like just great states of pain. Um, I go into the hospital like numerous times and they do, you know, these different scans and nope, nothing's wrong. They couldn't find anything. Um, and it's because trauma is stored in the body. Um, it, it, it is emotions get stored. And I'm at a point now where now that I'm, I'm much more pain free. And, and I feel comfortable in my body. I'm starting to tap into those little subtleties and, and the ways the ways that it almost can hide in, in ninja itself, like within your being. So say, for example, shame. Shame is a big one. And I, I feel like shame is like very cyclical um, and, it, and it can hide in different ways. So maybe I'm not going to feel uh, shame about the fact that I like, oh, I was abused or I had this shame that was I uh, complacent or, you know, I don't know if that's the right word, but was I, uh, did I agree to the abuse in some way, shape or form, like making myself feel guilty or shameful about that? Yeah, yeah. So the shame, instead of like being so direct and saying, you know, it'll, it'll come out in the form of like, I'm eating too much. I'm eating too much sugar. And so that shame will learn how to cycle itself in another way. So instead of being uh, shamed about what you had gone through, that shame will take on almost like a another aspect. Oh, it just hides itself and like, oh, I'm hiding myself in overeating. Oh, now I'm ashamed about overeating. I and then just it, it's just, it's a cycle. And, and you have to be, when you start tapping into the ways in which it like ninjas itself into your like other forms of being 
and emotions, like you had to be like really keen to start to pick up on like, oh my God, this is just this emotion like hidden in another form or aspect of myself. It's almost like it has its own intelligence and a way to keep itself alive. And I have a really interesting experience I had about that. Um, so I, I moved to Texas for some time. And before I left, I I asked, I asked for help again. And I said, I, I would like help in facing my fears. And so <laughs> I asked for assistance again. And things start to happen, I think, when you hit, like, your theta brainwave state before you're, like, falling asleep. And I asked for assistance, and I was falling asleep. And it's in this realm that I call the in-between. It's like your your physical body is asleep, but right. my consciousness is as awake and as aware as I feel right now. Yeah. And this dark, pitch-black face rose up right next to my bed with the red tongue sticking out and I didn't know at the time and I'd only seen pictures of her, but I didn't know what she represented. It was Collie. And (laughs) so I, I, yeah, I had asked for that, but I didn't know, you know, and then I looked that up and I was like, Oh, so this is what presented itself to me. And then within that same time period, I felt this energy. It was like, it felt like ribbons. That's the only way I could explain it. Like it felt like ribbons were like swirling into my crown and then it went through my body into my heart space and it was showing me this without words like it was pure knowing and feeling so in my heart space it showed me that here when I reside here in my heart I am complete like there was no fear there there was no shame it was complete freedom so it showed me that and then that energy swirled down to my abdomen and my sacral. And that is where I could feel how those emotions are addictive. And so that's where my shame and all of that is stored. And I could feel how, even though you would say consciously, I don't choose, I don't choose to attract shame and guilt. I don't choose to attract these you know, these yucky feeling emotions into my life. But on some level, that stuff is like, I felt how magnetic it was. And I felt how much it wants to invite more of itself back in. It feels like it's, it's, it's trying to, it's its own thing. It's its own energy and it's trying to survive. And it does it through us in a, in a kind of a sneaky fashion. And that was really, really like instrumental in feeling like it was without words. It was like a pure knowing again that, oh, this is another thing that you have to be aware of. Yeah, we would say ego. I mean, it's a self-creating mechanism. But I love that because that's the you just painted the picture. I mean, I it was all a movie in my head and and. You know, you, you, you just painted the picture and created the movie of how the, yeah. So the, it's like a, it's a drug to the ego. It's fuel to the car. It's our story. It's, it's, it's who we think we identify as, who we need to identify as. It's this victim. It's, if, if we don't have that, you know, 
who are we? And, and the, the ego isn't asking that. It, the spirit starts asking, it's, you know, in its own attempt of liberating itself from the tyranny of the ego, it starts to say, you know, is that who I am, right? And, and, and it's yeah. not. It's not. It's story. And, and it's, it's hard to convey that because it's perceived as cruel. Because it's like, you know, I could see someone saying, aren't you taking away that um, trauma, you know, from, aren't you taking that away from her? And what do you say to that? I mean, let me play devil's advocate. How do we then, I have to step into the, the person who's arguing here. What about the trauma? Like, what do we do about the, the, you know, is it just gone? What it, isn't it, was it done in vain? Yeah, that's, that's the, the interesting part is you have to learn to find this balance of honoring like what you went through because ultimately it made me the person that I am today. But like you have to watch over identifying with it too. Um, that's the tricky part because you can become over identified if, you know, I, I started working with my belief systems and, and what do I believe about myself? What, who am I telling myself that I am? You know, um, I've never been real financially successful. I've never, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep telling myself, well, you're probably only ever going to do this well because you came from this and that, you know, like you have to watch what you're telling yourself um, because we, we can, we, we, in subtle ways, we can still tap into those, those old stories about who we are. So I'm, I'm at this point where I'm, you know, it has to be an honor system. Like I honor the fact that I had to go, you know, it wasn't fun by any means, (laughs) but I had to honor that I went through that and that I'm still here. And the fact that I'm, I'm in a great relationship. I'm super freaking happy. Um, And, and I'm using this in a very constructive way. Um, Not everyone gets an opportunity to do that because some people become what they came from. You know, that's why I feel like it's like almost like a little bit of we're given a little bit of willpower to like trust that you got to do this mission a little on your own. Right. But then I also feel like I've had divine help along the way. I've had too many odd things happen. I know I'm kind of going off on another like topic or tangent, but (laughs) I was just, yeah, just kind of a, kind of like I'm just going with a, a train of thought here, but ultimately I think you're not really like it depends on what you want to do with your trauma and and how you want to you just have to put yourself in check am I am I being a victim am I like continuing to allow myself to be a victim am I am I gonna allow this to win years later because you you, not only do you go through the initial trauma you know somebody could go through like you know, one trauma and it could affect them for years and years. And it's just crazy. But like whether it was a car accident or uh, you watched uh, something traumatic happen to a family member, you could go through something one time 
You know, for me, it was multiple times. For others, it's multiple times. And it can affect you for years and years and years. And some sometimes consciously and sometimes subconsciously. So it's really this weird thing that we go through these traumas. And for years, we have to do the work to try and recuperate ourselves. So it's like an odd balance. Um, something uh, you said this before, I know, yeah, since it came up again, I'd like to say it in my own way as well. So the way you look at it, you're looking at what you can learn from it. And to the listener, uh, if you can't think of anything that you can learn from a trauma, then the one thing that will always be there is that when you go through that trauma, you have the experience to then help someone else who may also have gone through a, a similar situation and you'll be of a greater help than someone who hasn't gone through that experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's something that I like to say and something that I, I kind of learned over the years um, is that I, and, and this is through, this started out as, a, as an intellectual thing and, and a, more of a philosophical thing, because as a, as a philosopher, I was, I was trained to try to understand the intellectual or try to experience the intellectual without going through the trauma. And, and, and that was what the monastery was for, because I don't have, I don't have this kind of, I don't have this kind of trauma. I, I, I have pseudo, I have pseudo trauma of, of um, militaristic, you know, pain and hardship, but it's not, it's, it's not the, the, uh, the uh, exposed and, and, and malicious evil type of trauma. It's, it's more of a, a basic psychotic deprivation trauma of, 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 you know, loss of sleep, food, and, 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 and shelter. And, but this is, this, this kind of stuff is, is, um, malicious. It's malevolence. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard from, you know, to break off on a quick tangent, it's hard for a lot of people to believe in divinity because of this, it's hard for a lot of people to, to believe in, in the fact that some, some religions don't believe in evil, some divinity doesn't uh, project evil. We were taught that there's relative evil, and people say, well, how can that be when we know for a fact that pure evil it coming to the form of a human exists? And, and I'm... I'm I'm torn. I'm right. I mean, part of me is like, yes, these stories exist as we just heard. And, and as you've experienced, as both Rokas and Jessica has experienced, this evil has come through other people in the form of abuse. And, and there's, there's, you're coming, Jessica, you're coming out the other end and Rokas, you're coming out the other end and you're saying it's, we don't hate these people. We, we see the trauma that went through them. We see 
the pain that they went through that expressed itself through this means. And, 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 and I mean, it's the ultimate, I mean, it's the ultimate saint modality almost like that's how you, that's how a saint views it. And, and I know that you're, you know, you guys aren't going to accept that, that I'm essentially saying that you see things as a saint, but that is, that is how you, that is what you're perceiving to me. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I do like I can have a, a knee jerk reaction about somebody who seems like a terrible person <laughs> to a lot of people. And then there's a part of me like a little while later, I'll step back and I'll be like, what happened to that dude? You know, like what happened to that guy that he is like that? Yeah. Um, because it's it's generational. I, I think there's like a, a collective pain. Whatever this is that has fit man, uh, has, like whatever makes that in us the 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 good and the in the evil, it's there, you know. And and I think that we are going through like a collective awakening, and it's happening on a social level right now. We're seeing that. That's why I I can kind of compare like my own sort of healing journey to what's happening to like America, you know. We're relatively a young country. And I think America is going through it's like, well, we swept all these topics under the rug for so long, and now it's coming out in the form of shame and anger, and some people don't understand it, but I, I understand it perfectly. It's just happen, happening on a larger scale. It's like part of what we all have to go through, like the fact that we, we people were, were, were killed to take over land, and people were utilized as slaves. And like, it was like, you know, with what the civil rights movement only occurred in, in the, in the 1960s. And it was like, oh, here are your freedoms. Now shut up about it. You know, you can't tell people to shut up about it and, and not expect repercussions down the road. We've never had like, like a big discussion about what that meant, like a national trauma. So essentially we're going through a national trauma right now. And it's playing out on a large social scale. And we happen to have this crazy archetype as a president right now. And there's a lot of crazy reactions to him. And I think we're working out our shit. <laughs> it's like just chaos. Yeah. And working, like, working out your shit is chaos. It is not pretty. It is not like when I was like, oh, enlightenment, I want to be consciously aware. You know, like I had a friend that told me, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> like I told him, I was like, I want to wake up as soon as possible and be, and oh, nope, be careful what you wish for. And yes. it was true because yes. you have to go through the depths to get to the other side. And it's not a fun process, but it's, it's so necessary. Yes. It, you're so right. It, it is painful. And, and I like how you use the word archetype and the study of archetypes is fascinating. And, and, uh, all the listeners can go through a Google um, journey um, and, and look up archetype uh, if you can after the show, after you're done driving pull, or pull over and then Google it. Um, but so yes, the, there, there's this, uh, there's definitely group karmas. There's country karmas, karmas, there's global karmas. Obviously there's, or there's planetary karmas and that's why we have uh, the science or the, yeah, the sciences of, of astrology, astronomy, and uh, especially uh, a Vedic and Chinese. Vedic is Indian, Chinese uh, is Chinese. 
uh, astrologies and their different si systems and subsystems and these things can all be calculated out to a certain degree and this is amazing. Um, you know, we, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And the fact that, um, so we, we as humans, so I don't want to forget, you have, you have, to me, you've experienced this ultimate compassion that, that I like to call that compassion. When you look at someone and say, what the hell have they gone through? That's compassion. That's compassion. And, and, and it's very, hard to have compassion it's it's so challenging and and for most people who haven't even been hurt that much they don't they they have a very difficult time connecting with compassion and empathy and for you to have this this compassion is is phenomenal and breathtaking and so there's there we get lost in we get lost in this this individual karma and there's a we forget that there's a, a societal karma there's a country karma there's a, a planetary karma going on and that's why there's mystical teachings are so complex and people need uh minutiae they need the details to understand these vague concepts, like the Dalai Lama says something about compassion, and it's like, well, what the hell does that mean? And it's like, there's so much behind compassion. There's so much behind it, and it's this story. It's it's this perspective. It's this karma. It's this um, experience, and it that's why reincarnation to me uh, validates. Um, our understanding and our levels of consciousness because and our, our levels of maturity and we need these lives to experience the pain to then go through this evolutionary process and maturing and jessica you've done it in like 22 years whereas you know the, it's like you said it's a generational thing it's a, and then the mystic would say it's a reincarnational thing and and yeah this goes back a thousand lives ago, you know, when you murdered that guy. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, very I mean, well could be. <laughs> I, you know? I, I think I've been told that I, I had been on the other end of things um, by a, a medium. It, I, I have not been keen on a lot of my own past lives. There's one that I did experience very strongly um, that I'm familiar with, uh, but the rest of them have gone kind of under the radar to me but I have been told that I've I've played the other end uh in other lifetimes and that's a that's that's a difficult thing um to to for anyone to say I think I mean my guru we've talked about this before and he would say that you know you got to be careful we may believe that but you can't necessarily say that it, it has to be to the right person at the right time you know and, and 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 done in the right way because if you're going through your if you're in the middle of your trauma period and i say well you know jessica you know that that would is that would be malpractice that would be spiritual malpractice and and yeah you you're on the other end you're on your to me you're not only past this initial healing process you're 
I mean, you're in the stage of, of, of helping others. You're, and, and, and it's, it's now we can kind of meet on this one consciousness level, having come out the other end. And it's, let me, let me go into that real quick. Let, let, let me go into that real quick. Um, all right. Uh, in terms of, of helping people and, you know, do, do, have you started to help people? And I mean, being on this podcast, this is, I guarantee you, this is, this has already helped me to be honest, but where are you in your, I mean, we know we go through pain as Rokas was saying, as I try to tell people, we go through pain, not necessarily just for ourselves, but it's for, it's for others. And because we went through the pain, we can, we can then uh, relate to other people and then bring them out of their own misery. Maybe. Um, where are you in that part of the journey? And um, how do you feel when other people uh, say they've, um, they're, 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 they're traumatized yet, you know, from your experience, it may not actually be that bad. How do you do that? Um, well, it's like everything comes through our own filter of experience. And I try and remember that the way that I experience an emotion is going to it could be very different from the way another person experiences an emotion. Like if somebody grows up very privileged and they're, you know, everything comes really easily, a, a little thing could, could rattle them very easily. You know, there's a lot of people that grow up very padded. Um, but, and, and I think sometimes, and, and I have had that, that um, feeling in the past, like, well, pfft, what do you like? What do you know? Like, what have you been through? And me, like compared to other people, like I've never gone hungry. I've never, like, there are people that have had it far, far worse than I have. And I realize that, you know, um, my, my trauma is, is something different than another individual's trauma, but I, I've kind of learned not to, I don't poo poo anyone else's experience. Um, you know, I, the way I've looked at it is, you know, we've all had an emotion that has taken control of us unconsciously. Like anger is a great example. Like anger comes with fire and it can catch you in the middle of something and off guard and all of a sudden you're angry, you know, and you didn't even realize like, oh, where did that come from? I'm like angry out of nowhere. And you think and feel the way you experience that anger and how it came out of nowhere. Now, just take that concept and realize, like, it w wasn't necessarily conscious. Now, there are other people out in the world, take any emotion on the spectrum, and you don't know how that person is sensing that emotion in their body and how it's directing them, and especially if they're not self-aware. So, you don't know how someone is feeling. It could be, like, something that you've dealt with and feels like n nothing to you but it could be a huge deal to them you know uh some people never really emotionally mature um 
I, I used to crumble to pieces like paying bills. <laughs> you know, like in my early 20s, if, oh, oh boy, and, and I still have challenges with, with certain things where they 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 get me. Like just a, a something that could be simple and mundane with like a, a, an average everyday task would feel gigantic to me. It would feel like a mountain. It was like I did not have the capacity or the wherewithal to deal with it because I had all this other shit going on. And so it's just that self-reflection and trying to remember that I don't know what that person feels like. I don't know what they've been through, but I I try not to minimize. I do have to admit that I still have those 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 times where I look at another person. I'm like, well, what is that? But I I feel like I'm pretty good at eventually stepping back and having, you know, more compassion for that individual. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and on a day-to-day -day basis, do people uh, end up, you know, because we can all sense things, do people end up sensing that you're kind of this being of, of light and helping and, and, and do they emote with you? Do they uh, commiserate? And, and does that happen on a day-to-day -day basis? Ah, and that's, some, I, you know, I'm a big goofball as well. <laughs> I, I would say like more of my, uh, more of my kind of cartoony and silly side. Of, like, I, I think, I think people see that side of me more, uh, but it is interesting working in, you know, a rock shop because, you know, the people that come in here, they're into a lot of metaphysical topics and things of that nature. And they're, I'm looking for something that's going to fix this thing now, right? Yeah. Um, I used to be very much the same way. Like, what, is, what can I reach for that's going to fix this feeling now, now, now? So I, I do end up getting into some really interesting topics with people. And I did end up having a lady that came in to the shop yesterday and she was, really concerned about there's a lot of information out there right now about human trafficking and things that have been happening on that level and she said well do you believe that this is true do you believe that this stuff is really happening and in a sense I kind of had to give her just a little you know I, I was abused as a child uh, so I, my eyes were opened at a young age you know to these sort of things and and I ended up having a long topic or a long conversation with her and ultimately, we ended up looking up some information together about like a local group that she could contact to learn more about, you know, this in the state that I live in and how she could take action, you know. So that was cool. That felt really good. Um, okay. So I think like the more that I heal myself, the more that I can, I have the ability to also give a little more of myself to other people as well. Have you ever thought about making a life mission to spread some kind of awareness, you know, starting a nonprofit for abused people? Where, where are you in that sense? I, I have, I have played around with the idea of somehow utilizing what I've gone through to help other individuals. Um, that has not really presented itself to me. Um, and like I said, I, I, I'm really starting to work with what I'm capable of in having like a healthy uh, financial life, you know. Um, so 
I'm, I'm really just learning what I'm capable of. And, you know, maybe this is a step in the right direction is actually like putting it out there, you know, and talking about, you know, I, I hope someone gets something out of this, but maybe this is a step in that direction. I'm not sure. Gosh, well, well, what I would love to have you, um, you know, teach at, at ZenMind for ZenMind when, when, when that gets up and running and we do have uh, facilities and retreats, you are absolutely in, invited to, to hold classes. And, and, and uh, you, I mean, this is an amazing conversation and, and it shows, I love this conversation format because it shows what, what someone is capable of and hearing you speak um, is so uh, revealing. It's so um, clear. And that's not an easy thing to do. And, and um, you know, what I'm trying to do is help young people who can't see that clearly. They're, they're in the middle of it or they're on the, they're on the outside of the trauma and they cannot see clearly. And it, it takes people to, I think it takes people's words and vibration to reveal the, and, and clear up the fog around them. And, 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 you know, I've got some good people around me and, and I think eventually Zen mind is going to be a facility. I think we're going to have retreats and seminars and, and conventions and summits and everything. And I want you, you know, with a microphone ASAP. That would be awesome. It, it, I did listen to when, when I listened to Neela's podcast, um, I, I listened to what your mission was with, with Zen Mind, and, and I think it's amazing. And I had, at one time, some years ago, I wrote down this idea that I had, and I thought, well, I know that my pet, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all with people, right? Um, some people need to do yoga. <laughs> some people need to do CrossFit. Um, some people, like, everybody has, like, a little bit of a different way that they need to express what they went through, um, you know, we're, we're all so different. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be neat if I had an organization where we could take an individual, kind of find out, like, what, what are your needs? Like, what, you know, because sometimes you try something and it doesn't quite feel right. And then you move on to the next. And then yep. sometimes you find that one thing that really sticks and you're like, yep, this is for me. And yep. you don't know until you try and you don't know until it's presented to you as well. And I know that I've run the gamut with listening to different talks, different teachers, and I've found some that have maybe it was just what it, I needed to hear for that little period of time to get me through. And then I think as you start to mature a little bit, you, you'll find like teachings and, and things that really resonate with you and you, and you can tell, yep, I'm on the right track here and this is what I want to utilize. And I think, you know, if you can, if your organization can present that to people, you know, with, with different sorts of um, options and, and opportunities, it, it, it sounds fantastic. Uh, yeah, God, I hope so. I don't know. I mean, I'm just going day by day now. And, and I think I'm like you, you know, we're, we're just waiting till we hear something or, or the universe says, hey, go, go that way. And then we do it. 
you know? Yeah. Um, and, and you have, you have a great, you know, and, and I talk to Neil about this often. You, you spent, you know, he spent 20 years uh, living a monastic life and, and he's very quiet about it. Oh, I know. Right? He, he's not, he's not brigadocious at all. You know, and, and I think he, of course, he, like, you know, he had to deal with a lot of the, the, the anger that came through the organization. Um, but there's something there, like it's, it's admirable and it's an admirable, like, even though you had some dysfunction there, there's so much that he got out of there. Like, I know that guy's a well of wisdom, but he just, he's more of, um, I kind of show and do, you know, he, lo- he loves working with the, with the plant kingdom. Um, when he's guiding me on meditations, it's fantastic. He really has a, a fantastic voice that projects and can really take you inward. And, and, you know, and he's taught me a little about, about his, what a fantastic individual he was, but you guys, both of you, you know, it, it's kind of like my experience, right? You're taking like what you went through and you're pulling the good out of it. And then you're also pulling like the things that you didn't like and you're, you're like becoming better through that. Like even Neil and I, with our relationship, we're helping each other to see those aspects that maybe held us down. Like we're, we're a reflection to each other, right? I can see where he's felt like his voice has been suppressed a little bit and like, and why he feels like, oh, I can't speak up or I'm not being heard. Well, it was because he had experienced this or that. And, you know, I'm there to kind of help him see that. And sometimes he helps me see things that I can't see within myself. But, you know, the two of you, like, you have a fantastic background to go on. And and I think most people, they really, really respect that. And if I want to learn meditation, you know, I, I would rather, you know, take the advice from somebody that's like walked the walk, if you will. Well, you know what? To put it in terms of walking the walk, I, I I now know what you know what a what the difference is between a warrior and a philosopher, and and you are the warrior in this in this story, and I'm just the philosopher, and and I think what makes a good army is is the combination of both and and the warrior needs to have gone through it to know to know their truth and the philosopher needs to have thought about it enough to to be able to to come up with their own truth and and why it all happens and um you get warrior status in, in this one and <laughs> and you know to me you've you've won you've you've come out of a, of the tragic pain and with enlightenment and you know you're you're just getting started you're you're gonna you're gonna go to battle again and and this time you're gonna have like an army behind you um (laughs) and uh jessica i i think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna say our goodbyes here we're gonna uh just something i like to say quickly um yes uh yeah so the things Jessica talked about today. Um, this, I'm glad you're inviting her to Zen Mind Academy because I, the first time I heard about quite a lot of those things was from you, Raj. So now hearing it from Jessica as well shows that 
she yeah she's gone down a similar path and has a lot of wisdom to share isn't it amazing how we're, we're saying this i'm like as jessica as you're talking <laughs> i'm like yeah. oh my god oh my god like i always talk about aristotle and, and i talk about his law of the deficient the mean and the excess and you're like in order to become you know aristotle says if you're deficient in one area you shoot over to the excess and then fall in the middle and you become balanced that way by overshooting and you're saying you're physically deficient in this mentality you jump into crossfit and 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 um roller derby and you you over you overcompensate that deficiency and now you're you're balanced in your physical realm and, and as you're saying these things i'm like that's that's what it means that's what the, the difference is between philosophizing about something and then going through it and and, and a balanced person has this this experience of of part warrior part philosopher uh part conscious subconscious super conscious i mean it it, it's amazing. I, 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 it's amazing. I don't know. Can I add one thing? It, it, like, I think it's really important for people to know, because I did this for a long time, is celebrate the little thing it, and celebrate the fact that you can find like one day with peace of mind, if that's what it starts out with. Because I think with social media, especially, there's like an over celebration of, um, materialism and and wealth and you know as much as i, I want to be secure in my life too in a healthy way um i think a lot of people and myself included at one time you think you have to do something giant and big and like you have to be widely recognized to be successful and you don't like everybody plays their part in some way shape or form so it's good to just like learn sometimes just from the little guy next door, you know, or like just find people that are happy in their existence and their lives. And it doesn't have to be about being the next, you know, famous person or oh, you know, the next yeah. guru. Like I think we get too caught up in thinking that our success is measured by this huge amount of, of recognition. Yeah. That, yes, sorry. Keep going if, if you want. No, that that was it. That was just, you know, really like loving your life as as a simple life and, and being happy with with the role that you're playing where you're at. And of course having that always striving, you know, you want to strive and and be successful in the way you feel you need to be successful. But um, don't don't play too much of a comparison game um with people you see online just just try try and celebrate your own successes but you know use people uh that you see as instrumental to to you know strive strive for their attitudes strive for strive for just you know those little bits of happiness and, and simplicity I, I that's a big one that i'm learning jessica one thing i mean 100 percent, absolutely um well, I mean, I've had that. Yeah. I mean, I've gone through that, the comparison thing, the, uh, you know, it, it leads you down a rabbit hole of, of failure because you're not someone else, you're you. And uh, the simplicity is profound. And um, I wish, I wish, um, well, you know what, more people know that now, uh, thanks to you for saying that. 
Um, one one thing I just quickly wanted to, to talk about, since you're you're the perfect person to ask, you know, um, is what is it, what is the philosophy? What does an ownership a responsibility philosophy sound like to you? You know, if if I said everything is your fault, what is how do, what does that mean to you? When you say everything's your that that saying, everything is your fault. Yeah. Hmm. To me, when when I think about everything is your fault, I guess it depends on what way you could be looking at it. Like right away, my knee jerk reaction would be like, like you're feeling like somebody out there is telling you like everything's your fault. You got to take responsibility for yourself. But it, like, I also then start thinking about the, you know, finding self-responsibility and being responsibility, responsible for the things you know you need to. Um, I don't know. That's kind of, it's kind of loaded. <laughs> like, there's, there's loaded. a couple different angles. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a loaded question because there's a couple different angles that you could take because that, it's that knee-jerk reaction that's like, oh, is that somebody pointing the finger at me? Like that, that somebody's telling me everything's my fault and, and they're, you know, you could have someone pointing the finger at you telling you everything's your fault when that person's not taking responsibility for their own actions either. <laughs> and so I, I think it's like a topic of, of self-responsibility, even from the person pointing the finger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I get a lot of flack for it because you know, that's the title of, of my book. That's the title of my philosophy. And, um, people say, well, what about, you know, what about the people who were abused? How is that their fault? How is that a child's fault? And the nuance of that is, well, it's not, it's not their fault. It's never anyone's fault that something necessarily happens to them right it but would you agree in that it is your responsibility on how you carry your life after the fact yeah i think so especially when you start becoming self-aware you know i think that's that's part of the battle is that you know that self-awareness once you start to become aware of what makes you tick in your actions yeah then then it's then it's game time, you know, then it's time to start going to work and start improving yourself. Um, but I, I think I, I, I like the title. I think it's good. And I think, you know, people, to me, it does, if you have a philosophical mind and, and, and you can, you can see it as, as for what it is, you know, you're, you're not out there saying like, Oh, you know, that kid's being abused. It's there. No, you're, that's not what you're saying. Like it, it's, it's, <laughs> but some people you know they they want to and that's part of that jumping into uh jumping to conclusions about things before really um trying to discover what it's trying to say it, it sounds like it's like a light form of sarcasm yeah. <laughs> in, in a little bit of a sense every title has to be catchy right <laughs> yeah 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 good job with that all right well we could so since we can keep talking for hours um Will you come back on the show and, and uh, talk again with us? Yeah, I would love to. All right. And and I, we are going to have a, uh, a Man in the Making Summit. We're going to have a big, big 
um, episode where we invite um, everyone who can make it back. Uh, everyone who's been on the show and we're going to kind of talk about different topics around um, the ability to uh, critically think. We're in the middle of, of, of organizing um, this thing and I uh, started to think about it a few weeks ago um, and I'm just putting it out there now to see if it, 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 if it helps manifest it. And we, you know, we're going to invite you uh, to be on that, uh, Jessica. And I think that'll be really fun. Oh, right on. I, I would love that. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to sign off here and um, Rokas, you and I will, will stay on and Jessica will, will say our alohas and we'll, we'll talk to you. <laughs> Shortly. Thank you so much. Thank oh, thank you. Much, you. I really, really appreciate it. It was a fantastic uh, discussion. Appreciate sure the best. Yeah. Have a great weekend or Sunday. Thank you. You as well. Bye bye. Bye bye. Rokas, um, we're going to end the show together as as brothers in action, brothers in arms here, and. Um, I'm going to give my closing thoughts to the audience. Thank you for, for listening. Hope you like that one. And um, I'm going to plug my book. Uh, I have uh, I'm released Everything is Your Fault, the book about um, ownership, philosophy, responsibility, um, taking your life back uh, like Jessica has after enormous tragedy and there is no limit. There is no limit to the amount of tragedy one can endure. And we are capable humans and no matter what, that's, that's the message. Um, the book goes into the details of, of how you can think about that. And if you go to rajanshankara.com slash the hyphen book, the book, um, or if you Google everything is your fault, something will come up. And uh, I will ship out a personalized copy to you from my house where the books are being stored until early next year where they will be available on Amazon. Until we get to that point, uh, we uh, want to get these personalized copies out. I'll write, a, I'll write a note in it to you and sign it and uh, forever keep you in my circle. And I want to stay connected to every reader. It's an exhausting task. We've, we've almost shipped out our first 100 copies. And um, yeah, you can join Zen Mind Academy. You can be a part of my nonprofit mission. Um, and that's at zenmind.teachable.com. And we are going to roll out a website here very soon. Um, where we talk about our board members, our past students. You can find us on social media, uh, Zen Mind Academy. Google that. We're everywhere. Uh, we're, ever, we're on every platform, and um, it's, it's just the beginning. So that's my, that's my thing. Thank you, guys. Rokas, thank you. Thank you, Timur. All right. We'll see you guys next time.